uh, Skullboys. The Street Press Podcast with Sean Fraser. For a start, there are not enough white men doing podcasts. I've got to always support that when that comes along. I was talking to a mate today at a baby queue. We didn't cook a baby. Oh, but thank you. Yeah, that yeah. was. I just want to thank you. I'm yeah, no, it was meat. He wouldn't shake our hand until he finished putting it on his glove. <laughs> Imagine what he's like during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got you here for the podcast after your big night last oh. night, so I'm stoked with that. I get a thrill knowing that you're doing what you're doing. That's good. Well, I don't know what I'm doing today. We're just sort of just winging it. Did you moon Kylie Minogue? Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Street Press Podcast. My name is Sean Fraser. It's good to have you here. I hope you're going well. If it's your first time here, this is a music podcast all about the industry. We have artists on, we have tour managers on, we have producers on, you name it. If they're in the industry, we've got them on. We've even had photographers and magazine editors. This is episode 39. Like I said, it's great to have you with us today got, in my eyes, one of the leading punk rockers at the moment in Australia, Beck Stevens. Now, I am not just saying this because she's about to come on the show, but her new record, uh, Big Worry, is, I, I believe, going to uh, to challenge for record of the year in the genre. I think it's just such a, a masterpiece, really. It's poetic, it's beautiful, uh, it's sad, it's got it all. And I, I just sat down with Beck to uh, to have a chat about it and a bunch of other things as well. We spoke about electric blankets, which are <laughs> which are pretty important. Uh, we spoke about working alongside producer Jono and uh, how much he influenced the record. Ben from Slowly Slowly, geez, he gets a big mention in this record and uh, the writing process, uh, feeding ideas back to him, and then she'd get the ideas back. And some days Ben would just completely rip the song apart sew it back together and then hand it back to her and then they'd rip it apart again. That is the sign of a good producer. Uh, we also talk about, obviously, her beautiful tribute to her friend who passed away in 2019, James. Uh, there's a song on the new album he wrote the words to and we talk about the anxiety of trying to get that song right. Obviously, it was a song that meant so much to Beck and uh, she decided that she put it on the album and you know, record the music herself and uh, we talk about how important it was for her and how much it meant for her to get that song right. Uh, it's a really, really cool chat, this one. I'm pretty sure that by the end of this interview, you'll not only want to go and listen to James's song, but you'll want to listen to the whole album as well, which is called Big Worry. And we also talk about playing with Kiss Chasey. It's the dream. Becky's living a lot of dreams at the moment. I mean, you know, she's been playing with Luke Brassi. She's on the Sly Withers tour. Uh, she's uh, playing with Kiss Chasey on their big tour. And obviously that's going to be such a big show um, if you can get out to one. Obviously Kiss Chasey, I haven't been back in, I don't want to even dare say the year, but it's been a bloody long time. All right, let's bring it on. This is Beck Stevens, my interview with her. Hey, mate, how are you going? I'm going all right. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm at work today, but luckily I work for my friend, so I was just like, I'm going to sit down now. <laughs> oh, nice. So you um work from home, obviously. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, I do disability support work, but um, my friend who is disabled lives nearby and um, it's convenient for them to live so close. <laughs> yeah, nice. Nice. Yeah. So... So that during the day and then rocking at night. That's how it is at the moment and it's pretty good. Where are you? Are you, at Ta- are you in Tassie? I'm in Melbourne. So, 
<laughs> it's no no one really knows where I live anymore. It's pretty pretty hilarious. <laughs> um, <laughs> I forget as well. People will invite me to things, and I'm like, yeah, wrong state. Sorry, <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, I'm back and forth to Tassie a lot. But I've been living in Melbourne for a year and a half. Which one's better? Is <laughs> <laughs> that going to get you in trouble? I, Nah, I'm pretty vocal about it. Um, I love Tassie. I would, if I could live in Tassie and like sustainably follow through with my music and it not cost a million dollars, it's just I'd have to leave all the time. Like, and flights are just they aren't it at the moment. (laughs) It's 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 so expensive to go anywhere. And then you think, oh, maybe I'll just go on a road trip and the petrol's just through the roof. Yeah, yeah. This Kiss Chasey tour coming up, I've been like mapping out like what parts will fly and what parts will drive. And I was like, yeah, save money and drive these parts. And then you look at the fuel price and you're like, am I saving money? <laughs> yeah, just walk, yeah. just walk. Yeah. You were saying you're from Tassie. A lot of, lot of good artists from there. But everyone says the same thing, sort of, uh, you know, you got to get out of Tassie to sort of like, you know, boost your career kind of thing but geez in Tasmania a lot of good artists down there so many artists that also people don't realize are from Tassie because they often do have to to like really if they want to pursue their career unfortunately a lot of the time they do have to move away for a bit or at least spend a lot of time away from there just because I guess there's only so much you can do down there which is the same as anyway you couldn't stay you couldn't pursue a career in music and never leave the city you live in you know but um yeah, it like it's a double-edged sword, you know. Like it would be great if it was easier to um, go to all these different places, but at the same time I love how secluded Tassie is and, like, <laughs> unfortunately the world is learning about how amazing Tassie is. So um, it's it's uh, getting pretty packed down there and um, um People are finding out all our beautiful secrets. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm an hour north of Sydney. A lot more people I know are, are heading to Tassie. It's the wine. It's the scenery. It's the uh, it's the cold, actually. People want to head to the cold, whereas I swear it wasn't like that back in the day. You never sort of wanted no, to go to the No, people cold. hated it. People are like, oh, <laughs> it's cold. It's miserable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah cold's trendy now. Yeah, but um yeah I feel like visiting the cold and living in the cold are two very different things though the where I was living before I moved to Melbourne it was in a flat that was like it's um it's underneath my my friend owns it and he lives upstairs and the bottom it clearly just was a drive-in garage but that someone before he bought it turned it into an apartment or Mm. like a flat but it's not designed to be lived in at all. It's just, it was like a freezer and I was <laughs> not okay. My like mum was worried about me because she would come visit and she'd be like, this is not good. <laughs> like I just freeze to death sleeping in like all my clothes and under all these blankets. It was, you just can't, it was just impossible to keep warm, but it was still beautiful and I lived by myself and I loved it and the view was ridiculous. So, you know. That's that is that that's wild. So you had all your clothes on, you're in bed, and do you have a heater as well, or and it still just wouldn't you wouldn't get warm. No, it's I'd, actually it's funny because I've grown grew up in Tassie my whole life and never had an electric blanket. Um, mm. because I don't know, I maybe my parents were like I waste of money or too dangerous or whatever. 
And um, so I just had like this like idea that I'll never use an electric blanket because I'll catch on fire in my sleep <laughs> or something. That but was then seriously lived- the talk back in the day. That used to happen, I swear, like once a that, week you'd hear oh, a report. Okay. It did, <laughs> literally. <laughs> but, yeah, and I guess I'd never used one, so I was just like never really thought about it. And then um, when I moved into this flat, I was like bone-chillingly cold and mm. my – sister-in-law's mum was like we've got a spare electric blanket and I was like oh, oh yeah I don't know but she was like just take it and like you might find it helpful and I was like all right all right and I've got all these crazy like ideas of what will happen like my electricity bill is going to be crazy yeah, and yeah. I'm gonna it's gonna kill me in my sleep and then <laughs> one night I was like all right I'll test it out and I put it in my bed and I turned it on about half an hour before I went to bed and like and then I got in my bed and I was like, Your life changed. Oh, that's a bit nice. That's a bit nice. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm a new woman. Uh, yeah, I have a very similar experience to that. When I was growing up, you never had them because you catch fire and die. Um, well, that's what you thought yeah. would happen. And uh, yeah, I went and stayed in the Blue Mountains, just west of Sydney, and uh, and it's freezing out there. And in the winter, hopped in this bed at this Airbnb, and it was a you know I'm, I'm talking only a couple of years ago, like in my late twenties, yeah. and I and I first yeah. experienced it, and I was like, oh my god, this is a revelation. This has changed my entire life. Crazy, I know, but it's so funny because people like. I lived in Adelaide for six years, and people had electric blankets there in winter, and I was just like. I did not cope living in Adelaide. I over, like, I just overheat the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we've ticked off electric uh, blankets. Uh, that that's done. <laughs> done. <laughs> that was part of the chat. Yeah. yeah. Um, you ended up moving to Melbourne. You, you're saying you've only been there less than two years, I think. Yeah. You were halfway through the pandemic when you moved there, and then. Yeah, I didn't mean to move here. I subletted my unit in Tassie for two months. Yep. Um, I quit my job, which I didn't really like anyway. So I was like happy to, it was just a hospitality job. So it wasn't like I was leaving an amazing job. And my partner lived in Melbourne already. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to go to Melbourne for two months and I'm going to start recording because I had like planned to work with Jonathan Took, who is now my producer. But yeah. And the week I got here, I loaded up my car with like what, I would need for two months of living somewhere else. I had my dog with me. Hmm. Um, my apartment was being subletted in Tassie. And then the week I got here, they went into a three-month lockdown. Mm. Well, I think it was like it was like three months um, being locked down, but I was stuck here, there for five months before they would let me back into Tassie. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, the first three months couldn't record. I was studying at TAFE at the time and it was online. So luckily I could still do that and I was yep. getting um, some Centrelink, but other than that yep. I did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, big gamble. Yeah, a big, big gamble. I was living <laughs> with my girlfriend who we'd only ever spent like maybe a whole week together, nice. like at one time, and then we were stuck together for five months <laughs> and um, like could have gone really bad, but yeah. we're, we're fine. No one, no one killed the other one. So it's fine. Yeah. Because uh, I was living in a little one bedroom apartment with my partner and uh, we've been together. Up, I was still together. I mean, up until that point, we've been together like yeah. four, four years. We knew each other really well. And it was, it was a challenge. Like you have an outlet, you can, you can write songs, um, you can create stuff. I'm, I'm sure a lot of that was happening. 
Uh, yeah, I can't. Honestly, I can't remember. <laughs> I feel like it's such a blur because it's even so weird of a concept to think it was that long that we were in lockdown. Yeah. But um, yeah, me and Jono were doing kind of like stuff over the phone, and like I would like send him some ideas that I had. So I think. <laughs> I feel like I want to be like, yeah, I was writing every day. I don't remember. You <laughs> I, we, we definitely, I definitely did that from time to time, but there was something about lockdown, not for everyone, but like I think there was this overwhelming pressure to be writing and like you've got all this time now to mm. be creative. And if I'm just like this as a person, if if someone gives me time to do something, I won't do that. <laughs> I will do something completely different and then I'll do it at a really inconvenient time. Like, and um, then I'll be like, why didn't I do it when I had three months to do that? But anyway, something happened and I came away with an album. So, (laughs) and the album is unreal. And I really mean that. Oh, thank you. There's no skipping through the album. When I first put it on and I've listened to it, I want to say close to 10 times, but you don't skip through this thing, you know? Wow, that's so, so lovely. Thank you. Has been out a month today, I think. I know, a month today. Crazy. Yeah, I realised that this morning and I was like, there's just been so many things that I was like, within the weeks of it coming out, I'm going to do all this stuff and I'm going to put all these different posts up and, I, and then all of a sudden it's a month and I'm like, I didn't do any of those things. <laughs> Social media, just like, I'm allergic, allergic to that one. Never used to be. I used to be all over the internet like a rash. And now I'm like, yuck, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> How's the response been for it? What are people saying to you? I, I've read reviews and I know that obviously it's it, it's in the top 10 aria for, for vinyl and all these cool accolades it's it's collecting. But <laughs> yeah. what, do you, what, what do your friends and family think of it? Everyone is so lovely. I think my family's funny because because it's been in the works for so long, I've been sending them so many like unfinished versions of things that I think they're just like, I don't, I mean, I'll, no, and they, they have listened to it, but I think they're just like, probably like, you've been sending us this stuff for ages, <laughs> like, go away. But no, everybody's really, really lovely. Um, I guess like, I go on about it a lot, but it's very real. Like, my imposter syndrome is very much so. It's just always been like this since I was young. So any kind of compliment I get, there's a part of my brain that's like, they're just saying that mm. or things like that, which is like, you know, it gets old and I don't want to sound like I don't believe when people say it, but like, I think that I, it hasn't really sunk in yep. how much people enjoy it because my brain is broken, <laughs> but I've, I've only received so much good feedback and yeah, I think like I'm waiting to go on tour so I can actually play all the songs properly. So that's, it's, that's a classic thing. Like when people, when you release an or anything, a song or an album, like the waiting before going on tour or something is the worst time because you're just like, here's this thing I've been working on and then it's just, it's in it's in the internet. And you raise a really yeah. good point because, yeah, like you, you release music, it's out there in the ether and um, you don't actually get to see those faces listening to it. Yeah, right. And, and Spotify, um, it's so funny, it, there's this, the app for Spotify, like artists, you can see how many streams your song has and all this stuff. And I don't really understand most of it, but (laughs) when you open the app, like I'll open it now 
Mm-hmm. It'll tell you if there's people listening to you at that point in time. So right now. Oh, please do it now. It says, yeah, what do we got? It says three people listening. I don't hey. know if you can see this. Wait. There we go. The little, yeah. <laughs> two, oh, two people listening. Oh, now. someone dropped off. Um, <laughs> someone dropped off. But uh, so strange. Like, so like the days when it first came out, I'd be like, there's so many people listening. <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, that's a strange thing, isn't it? Yeah. Do you get caught up in the numbers or do you try not to look at it too much? Yeah, I do try not to look too much because, like, I don't know, all you'll do is compare yourself to other artists. Like, you know how at the end of the year everyone does their Spotify wrapped and it's like this is how many people listen to my music (laughs) and blah, blah. So it's just very easy to be like, oh, well, I didn't get that many plays, so I must be Mm. a big fat joke. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Some of those, some of those artists are dishonest, though. I think. I think you can, you can probably pay some guy over in wherever to 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 stream your song a million times, you know. But I'm I'm sure yours are genuine, you know. There's a lot of people out there that fake it. it well, yeah, exactly. And uh, that sounds hard. It sounds like a lot of work. And I'm maybe <laughs> I'm just very lazy. If I had the energy, maybe I would fake it more and put in more effort into making myself seem like a bigger deal than I am. Mm. But I just. Uh, don't have the attention span. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you've got some um, cool artists to help you do this album. I mean, you uh, you obviously got Jono on there. He produced it with you. You got Ben slowly, slowly. Even uh, Luca Brasi. You got Tyler on there as yeah. well. Um, that's Tyler. pretty cool to be able to collaborate with those guys. Yeah, I think I met Tyler for the first time when I played a show with them when I was seventeen. I think I was, and then Ben similar situation they play he used to be in a band called sinking teeth um and he played drums and yeah i was friends with those guys and then he started slowly slowly and it was just like yeah a very beautiful thing to watch because i also didn't know i just knew him as a drummer um and i don't know if any i don't know if you ever saw him play drums he has the best Best drumming face, maybe. Maybe my favourite drumming face. Can you pull Just, it? <laughs> I, can't, I can't. I can't. I haven't seen it in a long time either, but I remember it just like being like being a moment. Okay. Um, like super focused so kind of face? No, like something like like something's happened, like a spirit is taking over his body. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Some type of exorcism is happening, but it's beautiful. Um, but he's like okay with it, you know. It's like an exorcism that he's happy about. Um, so shout out to Ben Stewart's drumming face. Um, <laughs> but yes, known those guys for ages. Even working with Ben for this record, it was before I'd even planned to really work with anyone at all. Like I was just going to be doing the recordings at home in Tassie with my friend Dicko. And before we started, I sent a couple of songs to Ben. Just as a friend, I was just like, look, I've got some songs that, like, they're, they're good, but I feel like there's something missing or, like, and could you have a listen and shoot any ideas you have? He grabbed my beautiful little song and he threw it at the wall. This is how I explain it. And then he picked up the pieces and stuck it back together in a very different way, which when I first heard one of the songs especially, I was like, what on earth has happened? Mm. Um, <laughs> in a good way? But then. 
it was good, but it terrified me because yeah. <laughs> it was just so different. And because he's so clever, I gave him a very raw demo to work with and he like made it sound. I was like, how did you do that? And it really started to open my mind to like, I guess, what was possible with my songs. So what do you give him? You know, has he got a verse, chorus, verse, chorus or something? Like how much, are you, how much would you have given him and, and what did he do with it? I think he worked on, on a surf the top of my head, can't remember, three or four songs. Some songs he, like, for example, initially I sent him two songs. I sent him Big Worry and I sent him Thank God You're Here. And Big Worry, he didn't change too much, but he, like, I kind of even remember now. He just added, I think he was like, I've added an extra bar here just before each chorus, write two new lines here and write them in like double time or some shit. And I was just like, okay. And then it made, it just made so much sense. And like, I think in the chorus, I think I was just overcomplicating the chorus vocally. And he was like, just cut half of it off. And I was like, what he did was so simple, but so effective. And I was like, I was like, it made you think, think like, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> and then thank, thank God you're here was the one that has changed so dramatically from the original. Like I started writing that song with my friend, Andy, who's from Tassie. And, like, we loved the version we had, but it just, I don't know, I didn't feel like it flow as well as it could or, like, I don't know. I couldn't figure out what it needed. But, yeah, anyway, Ben changed it heaps. And then I took what Ben had done and took it to Jono and I was like, can we try and reel it back in to make it a little bit more like me and find, like, a beautiful medium between what it was and and Ben's version of it. Um, and Ben was happy. Ben was just like, just shoot me whatever you want if you're stuck on a song. So that's what me and Jono did. If we were like, Here's, this is what we've got, we can't figure out what else it needs, let's see what Ben could do to it. Has he helped improve your songwriting? Did it open you up to another way of, of working or another way of writing songs? Definitely. Ben and Jono, I'd never written with people before. I'd always like, I'd obviously had influences from my band members I would bring a very raw acoustic song really and then everyone would kind of add their parts to it because I could only do so much on my own I'd be like didn't know how to play drums I'd be like just play and like we'd all like usually at band practice like when I was first starting that was where we would just feel it out and I'd be like mm, I don't <laughs> it would, it's great because I'd be like I don't like that but I also have no idea how any, about anything and I couldn't explain to you what I want. So I'll just yeah. keep saying no and then <laughs> making weird sounds until we figure it out. Um, and I mean, to be honest, I still do that. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely opened me up heaps. And like, I was very scared of writing for a long time because every time you write a song, you feel like it's, you're going to be the last song you ever write. Mm. Um, like after you write it, you're like, there's all this excitement. Like I wrote a song and then like about a couple of months later, you're like, oh, now, now I'll never write one ever again. Uh-huh. <laughs> like Ben Stewart, for example, he just pumps out songs yeah. daily. It's disgusting and offensive <laughs> and uh, I hate him for it. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm, I am not like that, but I always liked the idea of working with someone else but I just hadn't uh, hadn't Mm. had the opportunity yet I'd like chatted about it with friends so many times over the years but just like never really did much with that but yeah as soon as me and Jono started properly we were doing two days a week in the studio from like 10 a.m to about 4 or 5 p.m and it was just great because Jono's just a genius 
and doesn't overthink things whereas I overthink everything and he'll just hear it for like what it like what a song should sound like whereas lots of my songs come from such a like deep emotional heavy place sometimes it was really hard for me to change a song because I've attached it to such a like intense thing and you can't sort of take out words or you don't want to change the storyline or yeah, exactly. Jono just made a few good points. Like James's song, for example, I had a cover that I had already done of it, which isn't too wildly different from what it is now, but it went for a lot longer. And I was very like, everything, I'm open to like any song on this record changing, but this is the one song that we can't touch yeah. because it was the original, you know? Anyway, Jono was like, he was always very patient. He would never be like, he'd never tell me like I'm wrong or Mm -hmm. like he's going to do it anyway. But he'd just like find ways to explain things in a way that made sense. And James's song, he'd be like, I understand why you want it to be like this bit to be really long and like emotional and like you want the meaning to come through. But without being able to give every single person that listens to the song a preface of what the song's about. No one knows what it's about. Mm. They're just going to be like, wow, that song goes for six minutes. I don't want (laughs) to listen to that. (laughs) Like, you know, so Jono just worked really hard with the instruments and the melodies to make them so emotional that alongside the lyrics, it keeps people there. And I think I've just got stuck so like in this mindset of, oh, but this is a really important song that's about like my trauma. But he's like, yeah, but no one knows that. Mm. To them it's just a song. So you've got to make them understand that in other ways to keep them listening. And I was like, you're a genius. It's very powerful. And obviously that song uh, is is about a friend of yours who passed away, uh, James, and he wrote the lyrics to that song. Like it came out spectacular. Was there pressure to make it spectacular? Oh, my God. Uh, I was like, I didn't even think I would put it on the record. I started playing it with my band in Tassie. I really wanted to learn it for one of the first shows we played together, which was this little festival in Launceston called Junction Fest um, because that's where James is from um, and I just thought it would be special. And, like, I would already become mates with his um brothers and i'd said like i'd love to cover one of his songs do you mind and they were all just like oh my god of course not that like i couldn't cover it but like covering it live and you know i don't know i just felt like i really wanted to approach everything around that as carefully as i could and yeah so we played it and it turned out that his um parents were there and they came up to me after and it was and it was really really beautiful and they came and said thank you and um the like a handful of people that were friends with James, like I would sent it to them just so they could have it because he didn't, not many people had like recordings of him um, singing or, or any of his songs. Um, but yeah. So once I start to think about like that, I wanted to put it on the record, I like reached out to his family and checked in to see if they, if it was okay with them and they were all on board and loved the idea of it. But then, yeah, once we're in the studio starting to like, work on it I was like oh my god like it just needs to be the most amazing thing because it's I need to do it justice and try and figure out 
what James would have wanted it to sound like because I knew what it sounded like acoustic, but he sent me a few recordings of it and they all sounded different. So in a way, I don't even think he'd finished and I just picked the version that he had initially sent me because that was my favourite. Um, it's not, it's really, it's very similar to the other versions, but just parts of it are slightly different. I feel like recording that one was a bit of a blur. Jono really took the wheel a lot on that, which I'm super grateful for because it was very hard to do. And I just like sat there, like melted into the couch like this <laughs> while he was like, do you like this? Do you like this? And I would be like, no, yes, yeah. no. <laughs> And then, yeah, it just kind of all came together really beautifully. And once we were sitting there listening to, like, the final version of what what we were going to do, and I was like, oh, how amazing would it be if we had a proper recording of James singing that song Mm -hmm. and we could, like, isolate his vocal and add it to our recording and it would be like we were singing together. And I remember Jono like spinning around like Dr. Evil in his like wheelie chair and he was like, that's not a crazy idea. And then he just like turned into a mad scientist for like an hour. He ripped the audio from a video and then he downloaded a bunch of different apps trying to find the right one that would pull the guitars away from the vocal. But like it was he just record like it's just a live like and we had to do a lot of finessing to make it not sound yeah. awful because it was really scratchy and like so I I didn't know this so he's he's actually on this on the song yeah so the, uh, the right at the end yeah <laughs> have a listen That's after incredible. right at the end right at the end of the song it's like the final I'll let the bad thoughts in we sing it twice and it's me and James singing together and it was really perfect Unreal. because we just happened to sing it in the same key as the recording he'd sent me yeah but he sings it slightly different and it's like we're harmonizing. He's harmonizing with yeah. me. Oh my God. That's, that's yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So very, very, very special. Yeah. And and he does feature throughout, doesn't he? Throughout the record. <laughs> yeah. That's him talking throughout most of the time. <laughs> I love that so much. I mean, I, I, you know, obviously I don't know him. I never knew him. You know, you feel like you get to know him, which is such a cool, I don't know if you're trying to do that. Nah, I was because like, I think, I don't know, like without trying to like shift the mood to something even sadder, like I've, mm. I've lost um, nearly 10 people to um, mm. saying nearly 10, I should just say the actual number. Um, to suicide since I was 22, 21, 22. Mm. And it's the same with anyone passes away. Obviously everyone remembers them and people keep photos and all this stuff, but life just keeps going. And that's been something I've always just like tried to grab onto as much as I can because I don't want to forget a person. And James especially, he's just such a great person. Like he just had this like impact on me. And every time I saw him, he just, it's so strange because he was also, you know, hugely deeply sad and had a lot of shit going on. But whenever I saw him, it was like the, like the room parted and like, like the sun came down some, you know, some type of like ridiculous scene in a movie. And I was like, just smiling from ear to ear because he's just this beautiful, great energy to be around, just such a kind and caring person. And obviously, like I posted about it 
previous to my album coming out, I posted about him all the time and all of this stuff. And to anyone that didn't know him, it's just like random person that Beck knew who died, you know. I just really wanted to give people some of him. It's hilarious because I remember telling Jono in the studio, I was like, so I've got like all these random recordings of James that I think would go really well between all the songs and I think it could be really beautiful. And John has never met um, James. Yeah. And I I know <laughs> that in Jono's head he was like picturing these like beautiful like James reading poetry or like <laughs> speaking and saying all this like beautiful stuff. And I was like, and then he was like, that sounds like it would be so beautiful and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then. And then I play it for him and he was like, oh. <laughs> One of the recordings, he's like, talk about going to get a beer or something, going to the pub or. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like talking about like my when he's in the, you can you can hear it, you can tell. Like I can picture, the, I can picture being there. <laughs> he's in like some shitty pub somewhere that has <laughs> like slot machines. There's like this techno music playing in the bathrooms and he's like in there and he's like, do you think this music's meant to make you want to gamble more? <laughs> I think if there was any song to make you want to gamble more, this is it. I would put coins in a machine to this music <laughs> and that's when we'd go straight into one of my songs. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, you're putting him on the album, like, obviously you'll never forget him, but other people won't either as well now. And there's a lot of people that are learning about yeah. him. So I think it was, yeah. it was such a... A great idea. And I, I need to listen to the song again so that I can uh, hear <laughs> along with you. I think that's the best. That is so good. That's one of the coolest things I've heard on a recording, which I have to go back and re-listen to. Yeah. You are going on tour with Kiss Chasey. Um, that must be just amazing to think about. Like, it's Kiss Chasey. Yeah. I know. There is a 12 or 13-year-old me, maybe even younger, now I think yeah. about it, that's losing her tiny little mind. A tiny little Tasmanian mind. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be so cool. It's very, very soon. And I've just like, I've like Luca toured with them and I've got some mutual friends that know them and I've just heard so much lovely stuff about them and I've been chatting to them on like Instagram and stuff and I just can't already tell it's going to be a really lovely time. So I can't wait. Darren came on this podcast, um, and uh, oh, really? Yeah, he uh, he'd never used Zoom before. It was uh, it, it was so good. We had such a good chat, uh, and we we're doing the backgrounds, like you know, in the background, you can have like the yeah, the yeah, 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 and all that. Oh, it was it was a ball, and um, and he was talking about the Brassy Boys and and all that. So no, it was cool, and I I can't wait to um to get out to a gig. I think you guys are playing. I think just up the road here at Drifters. So um, I'm really pumped for that. Yes. Hey, is that is that your pup next to you? Yeah. <laughs> is that the tour is that the tour dog? She came across with you? Yeah. What's her name? Yes, she did. This is Elvie. Hello, Elvie. She's just a snoozy girl. <laughs> oh <laughs> how good are they? Big stretch. She's the best. Yeah. She puts up with a lot. I've moved her many states, many houses. She seems pretty happy right there. On she the just follows me. Yeah. <laughs> if there's a couch and I'm there, <laughs> she's fine. Oh, well, Beck, thanks so much for um for jumping on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. I'm off to buy an electric blanket, so wish me well. You should. <laughs> you should. I think it'd be great. <laughs>
There she is, Beck Stevens. Uh, go and check out her new album, Big Worry. It's on Spotify. It's on all the streaming sites. If you really love it, go and buy the vinyl too. Uh, it is a great album. I'm not just saying that. Don't listen to it once, twice or three times. Go and listen to it ten times and get back to me. I think it'll really uh, grow on you. And it's, uh, like I said at the start of this, at the top, I think it'll rival for one of the best uh, punk rock releases in Australia for this year. And, uh, and I'm glad that we got some dog chat in there as well. Her dog is beautiful. All right, it's time for this. Letters. This is the letters segment. You write it, I'll read it. Head to the streetpresspodcast.com forward slash letters. Write down anything you want and, uh, and I'll say it. Um, that's, that's the gist of it. I got this one uh, written in from Mac. He says, hey, Sean, I just started listening to your podcast. I'm really loving the conversations so far. I'm in a band. We just released a new video. So I thought I'd share it with you to get your thoughts. Cheers, Mac. Well, he's in a band called the Mac Mittens, and I've just had a listen. Very cool. Gives me like a City in Colour, uh, Milk Carton Kids vibe. Very, very cool. Thanks for sending that in, Mac. Don't forget, if you've got a letter, just send it to streetpresspodcast.com. Uh, also, my band, the Ritzy Kids, uh, we are working on a EP show. We're obviously working on getting the EP out. It looks like it's going to be out in winter, which is very, very exciting. Uh, we've got a bunch of songs. I'll release the name of the uh, of the EP in due time. But for now, just sit tight if you're uh, if you're keen to listen to some of the Ritzy Kids. You can check out my band. Go to theritzykids.com. Got everything on there. Uh, you can see our latest music video, Dark Blue Sky, where I use Vaseline as toothpaste. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of fun. Um, that will do for this week. Next week, hopefully get another person on from the music industry. Sometimes it doesn't always pan out that way. If you uh, tuned in last week, uh, we didn't have a guest. Look, that happens. Don't get angry at me. All right. Have a good week. Tano. 